Well, hello there. It's Pastor Rick from A Voice in the Distance Ministries, and we are always glad to be here with you on this day or evening or wherever you're at. You know, the Word of God is such a blessing to uh, just just to partake in. So much wealth of knowledge and and wisdom and and just history and and, and everything else that you could think of is is in the hands and in the mind of God. And in, in the hands and mind of God is put in our hands and in, in our minds. And with the hope that we might, you know, that we partake in it in ourselves. So I, I want you to kind of strap in today as we take a look at what God's going to do. And we look at the history and we think to ourselves, like, again, history is his story. And we want to make sure that we are part of his story versus forms of history. You know, as time goes on. Do we ever stop to think about what kind of mark we're going to make in this world? Whether it's in the form of negative or positive. See, everything we do is remembered by God. And everything we do in the form of good, not just stays behind here on earth as part of our legacy, but goes up with us into eternity. And and so I think it's important to remember that. It is living the life that that we should be living as best as possible, you know, in the eyes of God and in the mind of God, and that we might pertain the uh, the mind of God and look through the eyes of God. And so, you know, when we look at what God has done, sometimes we we think to ourselves, "Wow, how complex He is!" And, and, and yes, He is. God is uh, God is omnipresent, uh, omniscient. He's 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 everything. And and so we get to be a part of our God who is everything, who knows everything, who who does everything good. And he did good by those of the Israelites. And that's what we're seeing at. And that's what we're going to be looking at here is the good things that God is doing. And at times we don't understand those things. Because God works in sometimes in mysterious ways, but he also makes things known to us. But the key... The key is trusting him, because knowing that God is going to do good, no matter what, is what we must remember. And so when we look at the things of God here, and we look at the instructions, and then we see, we see the, the, the brutal honesty of people. We see that they, you know, they fear just like we did. They question just like we do. But, but in, in, in the outcome of it, God was in control, and that's what we always see. God always came through. So I think it's it's important for us to remember that we are a part of him. We are a part of his story. We're a part of history. But what kind of history do you want to leave? What kind of history do we want to be remembered by? And And so, again... When I look at the Word of God as we go through, which is why I enjoy teaching it so much, is it's because... You know, it's not always about just seeing ourselves in the Word of God. I used to hear people talk about that. How do we see ourselves? Well, it's not always about us. It's more so about Him. And so, when it's about Him first, then everything else falls into place perfectly. And that's what we're going to see here. So, instead of worrying about how we see ourselves in a story... Let's look at God first and then see what he does with us after. 
Now, just strictly in verse 1, I'm going to read it. It says, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Has your heart ever melted? How has it melted? <laughs> Have you melted it? Has it been melted in a good way? In a bad way? You know, this was in the form of fear. You know, we take the Canaanites and the Amorites. And these were the two people, the, the two tribes of the area of the Canaanites that, that the, the Israelites were very afraid of. You know, both, si both sides were a treacherous group of people. And, and both sides actually had a very negative influence on the worship of the people of God. And, and the forms of even throughout the years later on that, that the, the people of Israel, as we will see, partook in their form of worship. Taking away the worship from God. And, and, and those people that, that did that paid dearly. But these people were very fearful to those of Israel. You know, the Amorites were kind of like the mountain dwellers, if you will. And they, they were they were scary in themselves. Very, very large people. Very, very intimidating, kind of like the Canaanites as well. But, you know, God, again, God told them, go. It's okay. I, I, am, I have got you. This is in my hands. You are in my hands. And so we, we look at this and we think to ourselves that... that you know, I can't really relate because not in the era, not in the time. But what, how is your heart melted when you think about what it is that that is going on here? What form, what form of fear has ever come into your mind? But what we're seeing here is, is now the shoe is on the other foot of fear. Now the now the Canaanites and Amorites are afraid because they have heard of the great victories of what God has done. You know, we, we have the, the scripture, we know the scripture, if God is for us, who can be against us? So again, pressing forward is the key. And, and this is a remembrance that needs to be had by all people, myself including. Now let's take a look here at verses 2 to 5 as it says, Now at the time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and, and circumcised the, the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the, the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the, the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not been circumcised. Now we think to ourselves, you know, wow, <laughs> you know, what is this, the deal with circumcision? It was a big deal to God. He created it, not just for the sake of good health reasons, because it does, uh, it, it does actually have benefits health-wise. But this was a spiritual health. This was a recognition of a new man, a new man of God, separating himself in, in, in this obedient fashion that was very painful. <laughs> you know, we, it, babies are circumcised 
after a week of birth. But, you know, we're talking grown men here. We're talking young men here doing this. That's, that's very impressive in the forms of faith and in, in, in the forms of obedience. And so if, if, if somebody came to you and asked to, to do such a thing, would you stick around? <laughs> Probably not. I know I'd have a hard time with it. But it was, it was marked with Israel's position, you know, in the part of God's covenant. That's what it really comes down to. And, you know, there's other cultures out there, you know, during this time in the ancient Near East, they, they used the circumcision as a sign of entry into, into adulthood. But only Israel used it as the sign in, uh, of following God. Right? And a man would only be circumcised one time. But again, here he refers to the fact that many of the young men were uncircumcised at this time. So I want to make sure that that is made clear that that this was not something that they had to redo. But there was a lot of that there was a lot of people that were not that were not circumcised at the time. Now anybody else would have questioned, you know, anybody else, I guess, including myself, why, you know, why this? But see, here's the key: the great leaders of all. Whether it was Moses, whether it was you know Abraham, Joshua now is is now in the in the main storyline. Why was Joshua spiritually successful? And that was that was basic obedience. That was just strictly obedience. You know we we have military commanders that that make mistakes and make bad decisions, and and yet we follow their lead without any question. So why not, more importantly, God? You know, God does not make mistakes. God doesn't make foolish decisions. Check this out in verse 69. It says, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people that were uh, men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord uh, aware uh, that he would uh, not... Show them the land which the land swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he had raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they had abode in their places in the camp. Uh, till they were whole and the Lord said unto Joshua this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from uh, from off of you uh, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day you, you know Gilgal uh, basically it's a, a place uh, the place of rolling it was the place where the reproach of Egypt was 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 uh, was rolled away and so we, we take this new beginning in this particular place. Now, Gilgal was located about about two miles northeast of Jericho. And this would be now Israel's base camp. Now, at Gilgal, the, the, the angelic commander of the Lord's army appeared to Joshua with further instructions for, for the battle. And he's the one who encouraged this quest. And, and Gilgal continued to be kind of a, a very important place in Israel. It, it was where Israel's first king, uh, Saul, would uh, would be crowned. And so, you know, this geographic location has some significant meaning to it. 
And and so we want to make sure that, you know, again, that we look at these places to know that they existed, that God had a special place and a, and a special time for all of these things to come. And, and I think to myself that, wow, you know, I, I, what is God going to do for us? You know, as I mentioned earlier, we're putting God first. But but I, I can't help to think sometimes, just again, what he's going to do for us in the here and now. See, the times are different, but the ways have not changed. What do you mean by the ways have not changed? God still requires faith and obedience and, and for us to trust him. Our geographical locations might be different, but you know what? God is everywhere. And, and right here, we have the stepping stones uh, of what God wants. God requires faith. God requires obedience. He wants us to trust him. And so we might be in battles, but you know what? God is, God is in front of us. He's beside us. He's behind us. He fights the battles. And, and so we must remember that obedience is key. You know, every parent wants to be heard. Every parent wants to be listened to. But how much more important for us to be listening to God, who is the ultimate parent? God is perfect in all ways. And again, I am blessed, just blessed to be a part of him. You know, I could attest to the things. I, I think any pastor, any Bible teacher should be able to. You know, an education in theology is wonderful, but, you know, experience in life and experience in, in divinity is very important as well. Because if, if if we don't know of these things, if we haven't experienced in these things, then we're, we're nothing more than just educators of storytelling. And so, again, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're hearing from from a solid ground here of Bible teaching, but it's also good to know that you've you've talked to somebody who's been through the fires and have survived and then some. And those are the ones that, you know, that God has done mighty works in, in their lives. And, and, and it says here in 10 and 11, it says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, at the, uh, at the, even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land in the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. Now, it's only fitting that this was during the time when the Passover is being celebrated because, again, that was their deliverance out of Egypt. You know, it was the one of the most joyous celebrations of the Jewish people. And right now, during this time, after 39, 40 years of wandering the desert, God has now allowed them to make their way to the promised land. They're right there now at the border. And if you heard me teach in the first chapter of Joshua, I basically made known that the first four chapters, four to five chapters, if you will, were based on the outside of the promised land. And then after that, we're going to be uh, uh, going into every aspect of what's on the inside of, of the promised land. So this celebration, again, reminds Israel of God's mighty miracles. And so and not just his miracles, but his blessings and his promises. You know, Exodus chapter 12 was a perfect description of the night, right? The angel that passed over the the Israelites' homes. Because God had specifically commanded that they, that they 
they uh, sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of the lamb above their door uh, above their door frames in order to recognize who they were it was their identification that they were going that they were of god in order to be protected from the angel of death because god was going to swoop through the land and so he wanted to make sure that there was a form of recognition it was the same thing with the with the circumcision it was it's like the form of a recognition spiritually and so we nowadays you know we look at the forms of circumcision but we need to look at the circumcision of the heart in what is being taught there in 12 and 13 and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land neither had the children of israel manna anymore but they did eat of the fruit of the land of canaan that year and it came to pass when joshua was by jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand and joshua went down to him and said unto him are thou for us for our adversaries and he said nay but as captain of the host of the lord am i now come uh am i now come he says and continue it says and joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him what saith my lord unto his servant and the captain of the lord's host unto the unto joshua loose your shoes from off your foot for the place where you stand is holy and joshua did so it's exactly where moses was when he was encountered by god when moses walked up to the burning bush he heard the voice of God say, remove your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. And so, he came to the place where the manna had ceased on the morrow. See, for 40 years, God was supplying manna from the sky. The people had bread daily to eat from God. But now that they have made their way to the promised land, that was no longer necessary. You know, God had miraculously provided the food. Because the Israelites were in the desert where nothing could grow. And so, God can and does provide. You know, whether it's miraculously for his people. And, and we, take, we take this with, we should take this with great pride. That, that God provides for us daily in our needs in one way, shape, or form. And, and and so what had happened was, is during this time when he had come, he runs into an angel of hosts, right? Now, when we hear the term, the angel of hosts, this an angel of hosts is, is a very powerful ranking angel. And so Joshua, like many, you know, they fall on their face. They, they fall on their face in, in the form of worship or in the form of fear. So we've seen that, that as he came to the crossroads. Now what's interesting is, is that whenever somebody in the Bible came to a crossroads, they were, God was there or an angel was there, right there to meet them in some way, shape, or form. I've always found that interesting, that, that it always seemed to be right there at a crossroad. See, God is there at our crossroads every time. We don't always know when they are or where they're at, but God, we know it when God has placed his hand there. 
And so, again, I, I think of Joshua's complete obedience here as being a, a very precious reminder to us. That even Joshua obeyed, the, you know, the command of this angel. You know, there's a lot of people that that, um, that think that, you know, that this angel could have been uh, God in the flesh. A lot of people think it might have been uh, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. But regardless of who it was, it was an angel of hosts. It was a very powerful ranking angel that had come down to visit. And so, as Joshua showed a form of respect, how can we show respect to God? You know, our attitudes and our actions, recognizing God's power, recognizing God's love, you know, and modeling that towards others. And modeling that towards him first and then to others is a very powerful thing. We should recognize God's power. We should recognize his authority. We should recognize his love. You know, and, and respect for God and, and love for God, it, it still is as important and powerful as it was in Joshua's day. God never changes. That is one thing we can always at least say is that God does not change. We do and we need to in some ways. We need we need to change in many ways. You know, do do we does it take uh, an angelic visit in order for us to wake up? Will it take us? Uh, will it take a, a near death experience for us to wake up? You know, do, does it take fear in order for us to wake up? You know, I, I feel at times that I, I find myself uh, preaching, I think. And is, is not to be preaching to the choir, but to be equipping the choir. Because as I get older, I realize certain things that I never thought of before. When I see certain things in life, the changes that I'm seeing in, in our society, and the lack of care, the lack of compassion... It, it, it is a very, it is a very disturbing and heartbreaking thing. And so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And again, I, I've always been a, a very uh, a passionate teacher of the word, if you will. I think of, of one of the greatest um, preachers that ever lived by the name of Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s in England. He made a comment that that he would rather see one person saved than to obtain all the mysteries of the word of God or or something of that fashion, he said. Now, I'm a firm believer of both. I say why not have both? You know, to bring to bring that one person to God and and be able to try to obtain you know all the mysteries of God. You know, Joshua was in a place where 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 God was revealing that. See, God reveals Himself to the obedient, to the faithful, to the loving, and He'll re- He'll reveal Himself to the ungodly, but not in the way you want. 
so we have a we have a, an opportunity to receive our loving God to be a part of a loving God to do to do wonderful things for our God but the question is is do you want to do that do you want a part of that God never forced Joshua God never forced Joshua's hand. Joshua stepped into this place faithfully. Joshua was an obedient and faithful servant. And God loves faithful, obedient servants. And so, the greatest things that we could ever do are the things for God, the things of God, and the things with God. Because God is with you, just like he was with Joshua here. And with the people of Israel, that they, even their enemies were fearful. And these were feared enemies, being now fearful of, of an army of Israel, which was at one point considered untrained, are now being feared by some intimidating mighty people. Because they stepped into a place of worship, they stepped into a place of relationship, they stepped into a place of, of walking with God and being faithful. You know, there's people out there I know that, that you know, they, they may not believe in God or walk with God. They know he's there. And, and, and they're even fearful to even to mess with a, a godly person. Because there are some that even though they don't follow, they show reverence. But how much more important to, to be a follower don't just you don't have to just show reverence. You can be a part of God because God loves you, God wants you, and, and He's chosen you for this day. And at the end of every message, the most important thing that could ever be given is a an opportunity. And that opportunity is to receive His His only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. You know, Jesus is the name of Joshua as well in the Hebrew, Yeshua, which means God saves. You know, God used Joshua to lead people into a promised land. God sent Jesus to lead people into heaven by, by his death and by his precious blood. And it is a free gift given to all who would want to receive it. And so an opportunity is simple. Do you believe? And if you do believe, I want to give you a chance to receive. And you receive by, by saying a prayer with me. In repentance and a prayer of acceptance of, of our Lord and Savior. Inviting him into your life and into your heart. That he indwell in your body and in your spirit. And you will have a place in heaven for all times. And you know, one of my favorite scriptures, if you've ever heard it before, when Jesus was on the cross, he was in the middle of two other thieves that were killed alongside with him on a cross. And at first, both of them were mocking him. And one of them had a Holy Spirit moment, as we like to say. He says, we deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. What are we doing and as he spoke to Jesus on the cross, he says, Father, will, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? And Jesus out loud said, Assuredly, you will be, you will be today with me in paradise. One of my favorite verses, one of my favorite parts of the story. 
of, of what was of what was accounted for here. As he said that to the thief on the cross who recognized who he was, he recognized you know his sin and he recognized who can cleanse his sin when he asked him to remember him when he enters into his kingdom. You have the same ability. You can ask Jesus, will you remember me? Will you remember me? Will you have me? He's already in the kingdom waiting for you. So now it's time to invite him in. Because he's been inviting you. He's been knocking at your heart. And it's time to open the door. So I want to help you turn the knob. I want to help you open the door. If you feel led. Never forced. If you feel led to to invite him into your heart. Maybe this particular story has touched you, I hope. Maybe this particular story has has given you a, a faith step. I, I, I pray it did something for you. So let's invite him in now together. As together we say this prayer, if you want to repeat this after me, if you feel led. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my sins, O Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Father, Lord, I receive you in my heart now. As my Lord, as my Savior, and as my Father. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Lord. As I receive you now, Lord, may you receive me as your child. I want to be with you all of the days, Lord, throughout eternity. As I receive you now in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I, I, I pray that somebody says that prayer at every message. It's the most important decision that you could really ever make in your life. Because, you know, again, life is short. And so time is of the essence. We're never guaranteed tomorrow. But we are guaranteed eternity. Eternity in two different places. It's either heaven or hell, folks. So I pray that you chose the right place. A place of eternal love, comfort, worship. Just just bliss. Where you're in the presence of God and in the presence of angels and in the presence of friends and family who have passed before. So I pray again that you walk closely with him. And that you would lead others into his kingdom as well. May God bless you.